Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. Our vision is to extend and establish the influence of the kingdom of God by equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Pastor Andreas is going to be ministering the Word of God to us this morning, but before he comes up, there's a couple of things I'd like to share with you. Actually, there's a couple of scriptures I want to read to you this morning. In preparation for what I know God has placed on Pastor Andreas' heart for us. How many of you know that Pastor Andreas' primary function, primary office, primary gifting is prophetic? Did you know that? Many of you think he's pastoral. Many, and he's got a pastoral heart. He's got a father's heart. Many of you think he's apostolic. And yes, today he is doing the work of apostolic ministry in various settings. But at the heart of it all, the thrust from which he pastors or does his apostolic work or ministers in any way is a prophetic thrust. I want you to read. We're going to put it up on the screen for you, so don't bother to turn to your Bibles. But I want to read to you two, two portions of Scripture very quickly. I won't take a lot of your time. The first one comes out of the book of Mark, chapter 6, and it talks about Jesus. When Jesus went back to his hometown, and it says this, Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? It's interesting. Where did this man? They were quite particular. Where did that man get these things? And what wisdom is it which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Notice what it says next. Now he could not do or could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Very interesting to note here, Jesus goes to his hometown and the Bible says he could do. It's not he didn't want to, but because of the way that they received him, because of the way they saw him, he was just the carpenter. We know this guy. Who does he think he is? Their familiarity with him cut them off from what it is God wanted to do for them and in them in that moment. It's tragic. You'd think one of the, some of the people that were nearest and dearest to Jesus would be those who are closest to his heart. And yet those who were closest to the heart, his heart, are the ones he could least impact. Let me read you another portion of Scripture. Matthew chapter 10, 40 to 41, it says this. Jesus sending out people and he says, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Why am I reading you these scriptures? Why am I sharing this to you, with you this morning? I am sharing this with you because of our familiarity and our love for Pastor Andreas. We love him. We see him here week in, week out. 
And what does that mean? That often means we can become very familiar with His ministry, with His anointing, with His gifting. And in so doing, cut ourselves off from what God wants to do in us through Him. I've just shown you two scriptures where Jesus was teaching on this thing because He Himself couldn't do mighty works. I know that God wants to speak something powerful to our hearts this morning, something prophetic. What does the prophetic ministry do? It brings alignment. It brings truth. It cuts through the nonsense. It cuts through the tinsel and the fluff right to the heart of the matter. And I want to ask you this morning, and I'm going to pray for a minute as I invite Pastor Andreas up to, up to minister the Word this morning, that as we listen to the man of God share the Word of God with us this morning, that our hearts would receive it as from and of the Lord to our hearts this morning. Amen? Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for the Word of God that you have given to us today through your prophet sent to us. Lord, he is a member of our family, and we love him, and we are grateful for him. We thank you that we know his love. We know his ministry and the anointing you have placed on him, Father God, firsthand. But Father, as we come before your word this morning, we pray for a special anointing upon him, a special anointing upon your word, and a special anointing, Father, upon our hearts and ears that we may hear and truly discern what it is that you're saying to us today, Heavenly Father. That we would not take lightly the message that comes because of the vessel through which it comes, but that we would receive the fullness of that which you desire to impart to us today through your servant, by your word, in the power of your spirit. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Michael. Good morning, church. Turn with me, please, to Psalm 18, verses 28 and 29. This is a prophetic statement that David made on the day that the Lord delivered him out of the hand of his enemies. And he says, For you will light my lamp, speaking to the Lord. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness, for by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. God lights up our spirits, our inner man, with the light of his presence. And that is how God works in our lives. He deals with our spirit man. He deals with our inward man. He deals with the state and condition of our hearts. In every sphere of life, in every circumstance, God is more interested than anything else in your life than the state of your heart. The state and condition of our relationship with Him because that is the most important thing in a Christian's life. The other day I was in the presence of the Lord conversing with him, and I heard him say to my spirit, he said, Son, in the light of eternity, and in the light of, of my thoughts and my concern for you, 
It doesn't really matter which house you live in or how big, how small your house is. It does not matter to me what car you drive, what title you hold, how much influence you may have, what position you hold, but what matters to me most importantly, more than anything else in your life, is the state and condition of your heart and the state of your relationship with me. And then he asked me a question. Do you really know me intimately? Do you love me passionately? Am I the center of your life? Am I truly the Lord of your life, your decision-making? Am I your beginning and your end? Who am I in your life? These are questions that all of us from time to time need to ask. Who is he to you? Do you love him passionately? Is he the alpha and the omega of your life or someone you go to when you're in trouble? Now God, as I mentioned, lights our spirits with the light of his presence, and that is how he expels all of our fears, all of our confusion, and all of our darkness. He strengthens us by his Spirit so that we can run against our enemies and put them to flight. By the power of his Spirit, the Word of God says that he fortifies our inner man, our spirit man, our heart with the strength and with his might so that we can leap over walls of obstacles that the enemy puts in our way. Paul the Apostle prays for the believers in Ephesus saying, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man. God is concerned about your inner man. God is concerned about the condition of our hearts. And I've learned this. Nothing from the outside that comes against us can defeat us. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. No matter what the enemy throws against you, no matter what challenges you may be facing, no matter what trials or temptations may come against you, nothing of those things can defeat the believer. Only the weakness in his spirit. The problem is never without. The problem is always within. The wisdom of God says, if you faint in the day of adversity, how small is your strength? Then wisdom once again says in Proverbs, I think, chapter 18, the strong spirit of a man will sustain him in trouble, but who can bear a broken and a wounded spirit? What sustains us in life is the strength of our spirit man. 
That's where our ability, our strength, our power comes from, when God, by His Spirit, fortifies our spirit with might and with strength. Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I am shocked and amazed today at the weakness of the church simply because of our negligence when it comes to spiritual disciplines. No one who comes to the Lord with a sincere and humble heart will ever be disappointed. Failure and desolation comes when our hearts become proud and grow cold and indifferent towards the Lord. The Lord redeems the soul of His servants, Psalm 34, verse 22, and none of them that trust in Him shall be desolate. But as I look across the vast body of Christ and behold today the state of the church, my heart grieves. My spirit grieves so often in prayer. As a watchman, I watch And I endeavor to listen and hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. But as I look at the church, the wider body of Christ, my spirit grieves over the weakness, the compromise, the pride, and the desolation of many. So much pain around us. So much brokenness. And I'm not speaking about the world. I'm speaking about the church right within the family of God. Unable to cope with the challenges of life. Swallowed up by the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches. The strong desire of other things distract us and sidetrack us from seeking and pursuing the face of the Lord and the kingdom of God. I search for answers in prayer, and I question and converse with the Lord over the pain and the brokenness of many. So many pastors that I know of, they not here say, I know of and I have a relationship with, are so discouraged and struggling. They have to put in everything they have in order to stay in the ministry. It shouldn't be this way, folks. But as I talk to God about and question Him so often, the answer is always the same. Always. The root cause is always the same. When the heart departs from the Lord through compromise or distracted by the strong desire of other things, we find ourselves in a place of confusion Weakness deprived of his light and of his strength. We become ordinary men and women, just like the rest of the world, who are void of power and might, just like Samson. Samson was anointed by God. He was the strongest man on the face of the earth. Nothing could defeat him. No matter what the Philistines did, he would always triumph over his enemies until he got involved with Delilah. Delilah managed to get into his heart. He shared the secrets of his heart with Delilah. Delilah today stands for the spirit of this age 
the worldly spirit. He slept with the enemy. Hello. The result of that, he became as weak as other men. At the end, they plugged out his eyes, blind. Today, many believers are sleeping with the enemy. They have allowed their hearts to grow cold through compromise and worldliness. And our hearts have departed from the Lord without even realizing it. They've grown hard, insensitive toward the things of God. When we pray, there are no more tears. Our hearts sometimes are filled with anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. And as a result of that, we lost that anointing. We lost that light of His presence that empowers and strengthens us and enables us to overcome and leap over walls of obstacles as the enemy comes against us. Look around you and see how the church has lost the respect that once had in the eyes of the world. Wisdom says, I went by the field of the slothful. Put it up on the board, please. Proverbs 24, verse 30 to 34. Here is wisdom and makes an observation of a man who neglected his field. He said, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding, and lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, and so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. This man, instead of working with his field, instead of cultivating it, building the wall of protection around it, he went to sleep. And the enemy came in, And the word says his field became full of thorns. You know, your heart is just like a garden. Your relationship with the Lord is just like a garden. It should be evergreen and blossoming and flourishing. But when you neglect it, just for a few days and a few weeks without even realizing, it's filled with cares and it's filled with anxieties and, and it's filled with worldliness. Have you noticed how often Jesus said when he warned of the last days and he said, take heed that no one deceive you? Watch therefore and pray always that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Watch and pray. Take care. Paul said to Timothy, take heed to yourself and then to those that listen to you. You know, the responsibility to maintain that tenderness with the Lord is not on the Lord, it's on us. Amen? 
So when I read these words, I can clearly understand why so many in the body of Christ are weak and spiritually deprived of God's blessing. Now, I'm not saying if you're going through a hard time, you're not being blessed. No, I'm saying when the hard times and the challenges of life are overcoming you, instead of you being an overcomer, then there's something wrong. You are of God, little children, John said. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Paul said we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Many in the house of God are spiritually asleep. And the problem is they are unaware of the dangers they face or the traps the enemy laid for them. You know, the enemy doesn't sleep. You may sleep, but not him. He plots and he plans your downfall. Every single day, he plans how he's going to get you down, how he's going to overcome you, and how he's going to to draw you into his traps. That's why Jesus said, take care. Take heed to yourself. Stay in prayer. Stay watchful. For the days are evil. Many are deceived today. And they don't even know it. Jesus said, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, open up. We've prophesied in your name. We've done such wonderful things in your name. But he will say to them, depart from me, for I do not know you. You workers of iniquity or lawless. They are deceived as a result of a lack of true spiritual discernment. And all because their spirits are asleep. A few days ago, I ministered on the subject of a hardened heart. You know when your heart goes dull and hard, you're not aware of what goes on around you spiritually. You may be aware physically, but spiritually you are insensitive and unaware of what the Lord is endeavoring to minister to you, to say to you. You are unaware of the people around you, And you see, but you are not able to understand. You hear, but you are not hearing the Lord. All you hear is the physical voices of those around you and the world's voices. Folks, I believe there has never been a time before, as it is now, where a prophetic call goes out from the heart of God to the heart of His people. calling us to prepare our hearts and prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord is near. I wrote these words down the other day, and I believe this is a true prophetic call from the heart of God to the heart of His people. And I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. Come back to fellowship with me. 
Come back to my ways, my thoughts, my plans, and my purposes for you, and forsake your ways, your thoughts, and your plans. Learn to walk in my presence. Search my heart and mind through my spirit and discover those things which I have already prepared for you. Prepare yourself for a spiritual journey with me. The last time I spoke here, I spoke about a season of preparation. Prepare yourself for a spiritual journey with me. I will take you into a realm of wisdom and understanding that you have not experienced. Do you know there is so much that God desires to do with us still? There is so much that He desires to impart to us, to give us, but it all depends on our capacity to receive. And what he's asking us to do is to enlarge our capacity for him. To stir ourselves up in prayer. Pray like we've never prayed before. Watch. Study what God is saying. And allow him to put back the fire into our spirits. Where we shine brighter than ever before. And we are able to lead others to the light of His presence. One of the symptoms of a spiritually lukewarm church is that you see no souls saved anymore. Hello. When was the last time we as a church saw someone coming to the Lord Jesus or baptizing someone? Hello? Do we really love the Lord? Come on. If we do, we would love people with a passionate love. This preparation, the Lord said, I speak of is one of purity and genuine desire to know me more intimately. You will never reach for anything you do not want, says the Lord. So this will be a deliberate and focused process of making yourself ready. Beautiful verse of Scripture in the book of Isaiah says, Stir yourself up and take hold of God. Now these things don't just happen. It takes effort on our part. It takes pursuing the Lord's face. It takes spending time, quality time, in prayer, searching the heart of God in order to find out what is in His heart for me, what is in His heart for my family, what's in His plan for this house and for those that I care for and love. You're not going to find them on the surface, folks. Gold is deep into the earth. You're going to have to dig, and the deeper you go, the more you will find. Amen? God has given us this wonderful gift of praying in other tongues. Why? 
Why, those of us who've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, why do you think God has given you your own private prayer language? One of the reasons is that we can search the heart of God by praying in the Spirit in order to discover what's in His heart and mind for your life, for your future, for your loved ones. The Bible says no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. But we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is from God. Why? So that we may know the things that are freely given to us of God. Only spiritual people can walk with God in the Spirit. And if we keep feeding our flesh and giving in to our flesh, our spirits become dry and weak and malnourished. So much money and so much time is spent on beautifying our body. Amen? I'm talking about millions of rands. We dress it well, we look well, we eat well. We, we sleep well. But what about our spirit, man? In most of us, our spirit, man, is starving. We're not nurturing our spirits. We're not taking time to feed them with the Word of God. Therefore, we are weak. All the enemy has to do is just blow. Blow. And off we go. We start complaining and moaning about whatever you, the weather, your husband, your wife, the church. What does that tell us? We haven't taken, been taking care of our spirit, man. There is no limits to the growth of your inner man. No depths, no, no limits. And I sense that the Spirit of God, is, He said, come on, come on closer, come on nearer. D don't, don't follow me from afar, come on closer. There are things I want to show you, and there are things that I want to do with your life that will bless not just you, but many others around you. Amen? So come on closer. Draw near. How do we draw near to God? The primary way is through a humble heart. That's why James says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. Amen? How many of us are stirring ourselves up to take hold of the things that God has for us? I know that most of us are just content with a Sunday morning service to go on with the norm, sing a few songs, pray a prayer now and again, 
But God is looking and is desiring to give us much more than that. The question is, how will we respond? Will we stir ourselves up? Or will we go, that's just another word that we've heard today. I believe that God has something exciting and wonderful for this house. And he's been wanting to give us more than what we have for some time now. And that is why he's calling us for a time of preparation. A time of earnestly seeking the face of the Lord and truly pressing in until each and every one of us begins to hear directly from the Spirit of God. What is God saying to you? Where are you? Are you marking time or you're fulfilling purpose? That's the question. Just like God came looking for Adam, he said, Adam, where are you? Now, God knew where Adam was physically, but it was a spiritual question. Where are you? Where are we as a church? Are we on fire for God? A number of years ago, I know I have shared this before, but it bears repetition. I was in the United States, and it was a time where I had many questions but very few answers. As a pastor of the house, there were so many things that I wanted to ask the Lord, but I didn't have any answers. And so I went with the purpose of seeking the face of the Lord until I heard from Him. And I locked myself away with fasting and prayer, and I said to the Lord, I'm not leaving this room until you speak to me and answer my questions. The first and the second day were very difficult. It was like heaven became brass. I prayed, I cried, I shouted as though God was so far away. I began to repent, to think of everything that I could think of and humble myself and repent and ask for forgiveness. And on the third day, heaven opened. God heard my request. And he answered me in the form of a vision. And this was the vision that I had seen. And this is so very relevant for us for you, for this house, for the church today. I was taken up in the Spirit. And from above, I saw my house in Platycliff. And I looked, and there was a light in my house, the only light on the neighborhood. All of the other houses were lying in darkness pitch darkness. 
my house had a measure of light, but the light that was in the house was dim. It didn't have the strength to enlighten the neighborhood. And I said, Lord, he said, the light that you have is only enough for you and your family. It serves to protect you. It serves to provide for you. It serves to bless you in a measure. But it is not strong enough to be able to affect those around you. Sure, there's a measure of light in each and every one of us. But the question is, how bright is your light? Sure, there is a spark of flame and fire within your spirits if Christ is in your heart and you've been born again by the Spirit of God. But the question is, how bright is that light? And then something else happened. All of a sudden, out of heaven, a beam of light came on top of my house. And it began to light the entire house. And the light became brighter and brighter and brighter that the whole neighborhood was lit up by the light that emanated from my own house. And I wondered, what happened? What's going on in that house? And from the top, I went into the house in the spirit. And I looked and I saw myself on the floor praying and crying out to God, asking Him to have mercy and grace and to pour out His Spirit like He's never poured it out before. And I pleaded with the Lord in prayer, and then I heard something in the throne room. It was the voice of the Lord Jesus saying to the Father, saying, Father, see how your son Andrea has humbled himself. Look at his humility and his repentance and grant him mercy and grace. And I knew that the key that caused that outpouring of the light was my own humbleness and intercession and prayer and perseverance concerning the Lord's Spirit. And what happened after that was amazing. I walked outside the house, and I saw streams of people coming toward the house because of the light that emanated. As I went down the stairs, I met someone that said, an angel of the Lord appeared to me and told me to bring my sick son. Would you pray for him? streams of people began to come to the light. And I remembered Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Darkness will cover the earth, and gross darkness the people of the earth, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory shall be seen in you. Did you get something out of this? 
How bright is your light? How lit is your candle? David said, the Lord will light my lamp. Your lamp is your spirit. The Lord will enlighten my darkness. And as a result of the light and the glory of God clothing my spirit, I will leap over a wall and I will chase and overcome my enemies. It's the heart, folks. It's the heart. The word says, a broken and a contrite heart, God, you will not despise. One of the things that I believe grieves the Spirit of God is our unwillingness to acknowledge our state. When was the last time you heard a message of repentance? Some even preach we don't have to repent anymore. It's all grace. Hello? It's our unwillingness to acknowledge the state, the condition of our hearts that grieves the Lord, and our unwillingness to turn and to repent with a sincere heart and be honest and transparent with the Lord. You know, He loves honesty. Just tell Him where you are. Lord, I'm undone, Isaiah said. Woe is me, for I'm undone. But when did he cry, I'm undone? When he saw the glory of God. Before that, he couldn't see the glory of God. It was only when King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Who was hiding the glory of God from Isaiah? It was the king. His confidence was in the king. And when the king died, he saw the glory of God. When you embrace an idol in your life, it hides the glory of God from you. And there are things in our lives that must die before we see the glory of God. There are things that you and I need to lay down and put down and forsake and walk away from before we see the light and the glory of God. Because those things prevent us from seeing and looking into the face of Jesus. They obscure his face. That is why Hebrews says, laying down every weight and the sin that so easily besets us, ensnares us. And we cannot see. But when he saw the glory of God, he said, Woe is me, for I'm undone. What do we need? We need a fresh revelation of the risen Lord. We need to see who He really is. And in the light of His glory and countenance, we will see light. The psalmist said, in His light we see light. So we've got to, we've got to deal with our attitudes. We've got to deal with those things that prevent us from seeing the Lord. It could be a small thing, it could be a great thing. It could be unforgiveness or bitterness or anger. We need adjustment in our attitudes. 
And when we do, God will show up. He will show up. My prayer is, Lord, show me what, what do I need to lay down? It might not be sin, but it might be weight. What do I need to forsake? And what do I need to take hold of? Amen? Some of you love your children more than you love God. Other things are before the Lord. You love your work more than you love God. Amen? We've got, we got to put it right. Now, this is not an easy message for me to deliver. But listen, folks. One day I'm going to stand before God and He's going to question me whether I gave you the truth or not. Where are you? Where is your heart? Writing to the church in Laodicea or in Ephesus, the Lord says, I know your works. They more than the first. I know your patience. He commends them for all the great works, the patience, the discernment. He said, I know you've tested those who say they are apostles, but they're not, they're false. But yet I have one thing against you. You have left your first love. You don't love me like you used to. It's a burden to pray now. It's a chore to read the Word of God. It's not a delight to be in fellowship with the brethren anymore. Hello? It's a duty. Anytime it becomes duty, then we've lost the heart of it. It becomes religion that's dry and barren. No, I don't pray because I have to. If you do it because you have to, you've lost the heart. I do it because I love to and I want to. I don't read the Word because I have to. I don't have to do anything. I don't pay my tithes or whatever, or I give because I have to. I don't have to do anything. I love to, I want to, because I love God and I love His people. That should be the attitude of our hearts. Amen? Listen to what James, he addresses the believers, not unbelievers. But listen to what he says. These are some very hard words for us to digest. He says, you ask and you receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. He says, you're praying, but you're praying in the wrong way because the, the, the motive behind your prayer is so that you can spend it on your desires and your lusts, whatever you're asking for. Flesh is involved here. So many of our prayers are tainted with selfish motives. Hello? He says, that's why you're not receiving. And then he goes on to say, you adulterous and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Who's he calling adulterer? 
Now, he's not talking about physical adultery here, folks. He's talking about spiritual adultery. He said, because you're so friendly with the world and the spirit of this age, you have committed adultery because you have a covenant with God, and while you have a covenant with God, you flirt around with another. That's spiritual adultery. Amen? And so much of the world's thoughts and ways and mannerisms has entered the church, filtered into the church today, and is considered normal Christianity. We don't have the discernment to discern the difference anymore. Why? Because our spirits have become dull. Lack of discernment. Amen? Jesus said many false prophets will come saying, I am Christ. He said, don't believe every spirit. Don't believe every preacher. Examine, search the word for yourselves. Don't be gullible. The Christian community is so gullible today, they will swallow anything. They would go on the internet, they hear preachers or teachers, they don't even know what their lives are like. Jesus said, you will know them by the fruits. You need to study the person you're listening to. You need to examine their lives and you need to see the evidence of fruit. By the fruits you will know them, not by the gifting. I can preach like an angel, but sleep like the devil. Amen? You've got to examine the people you follow. Don't be gullible. And, and here James says, don't you know that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? When you think like the world, when you speak like the world, then you are moving into compromise and worldliness. Hello? Now, whosoever, he says, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. I don't want to be an enemy of God, but we will be if we embrace Delilah and sleep with her. Hello? Samson had his hair cut. And when his hair was cut, his power is gone. You sleep with the enemy, the anointing will not be on you anymore. When he woke up, he thought, he did not know that the strength of God has left him. He wasn't even aware of it. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he gives more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. When was the last time you admitted you're wrong to your husband or to your wife or to your brother? Submit yourselves therefore to God, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Notice, this letter was written to believers, to Christians. Born again, filled with the Spirit of God. It wasn't written to the world. 
It wasn't written to unbelievers, to sinners. He was written to, it was written to the church. He says, wake up, where are you? You've allowed the world to deceive you and to distract you from your first love. And then he calls for humility and brokenness of heart. And he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. The first step in drawing near to God is humbling ourselves. And then he goes on to say, be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. One of the ways to do this is through fasting because mourning is a spiritual thing. Fasting is spiritual mourning. You're depriving your flesh of the pleasures and the desires. You mourn in the spirit. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Well, I believe it's time for the church to mourn, to weep. Most of us weep when we are in pain. But when have we wept and cried because we broke the heart of God? Or because we've hurt someone so bad that we are so remorseful that we cannot but break down and weep? A repentant heart will always weep. Too many dry tears at the altar. And then he goes on to say, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Folks, the way back to the heart of God is through genuine repentance that will produce fruits that are worthy of repentance. Amen. Lord, start with me. Help me. Deal with my heart and my attitude. Change me, O oh God. Purify my heart. Cleanse my hands as I lift them up before you. Do a work in my spirit that will be genuine and deep, that will produce a contrite and a broken spirit within me. Because those are the sacrifices that God will never despise. Amen. Let's stand, please, as we pray and ponder on these things today. Jesus said, take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, with the cares of this life and drunkenness, and that day come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always 
that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus said in Luke 12, 39, But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took the lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. But the wise took oil in the vessels and with the lamps. And while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed the lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. And afterward the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Readiness. Readiness. Be ready for we do not know the hour when the Lord will come or when he calls you up to be with him. Do you have that assurance today that your heart and your relationship with the Lord and those around you are right? That if you were to go home today, you know that you would stand before the presence of the Lord unashamed. Or is there any unconfessed sin that you need to get rid of? Or an adjustment in your attitude? Or things that you need to let go of? I urge you today, please, there's such an urgency in my heart to prepare God's people for the coming of the Lord. As, we, as Michael leads us into a song of praise or worship or pondering upon the Lord and you want to do business, the altar is open. It's between you and the Lord. So let's examine our hearts today and let's be honest with God as His Spirit ministers to us. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.